This is the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and from Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. There's huge news out there in the NFL today. Calvin Ridley suspended through at least the uh, 2022 season for betting on NFL games in 2021. It's big, it's big, it's breaking, we're covering it as best as we can. Eddie Pascal, I'm Jason Fitz, in for JT The Brick. Obviously, we're focused on the Raiders, and we're going to get back to that in just a second. 702-365-9200, that's how you hang out with us. But uh, the Raider Nation Radio has done a nice job of tweeting it out there for everybody to see the letter from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, who says that a league investigation uncovered no evidence indicating any inside information was used or that any game was compromised in any way, nor was there evidence suggesting any awareness by coaches, staff, teammates, or other players of his betting activity. But that does not change the fact that according to multiple reports, he may have bet on the Falcons, and it looks like the earliest he can petition for reinstatement would be on or after February 15th, 2023. And uh, again, I know we're focused on the Raiders here, Eddie, but this is huge news for the NFL. And this is one of those moments where the NFL has no choice but to come down with the thunder of the gods because as they continue to dip their toes in the water of partnerships involving gambling, it's more important than ever that they be transparent and that people understand what happened, why it happened, and what the suspension is for it so that you can continue to convince people that the game is above board. And I think transparency is, is the key word there, Fitz. I, I think transparency from the league side, transparency from ultimately the Falcon side, from Calvin Ridley side, I think is paramount as we kind of go through this process. And and I think you just have you have to hope as, as a fan of the game, because I know that both of us are and Damon are, just as a fan of the game, you have to hope that this is just an isolated incident and one guy making an incredible incredibly terrible decision having the worst lapse in judgment you could possibly have uh, for a guy in his position and that this is not something that that is going to be any bigger than just one guy making uh, making making some pretty silly mistakes that are going to cost him dearly well and he's gone to twitter uh, one minute ago tweeting out i bet 1500 total i don't have a gambling problem so i don't know i don't know if that, know i don't know if that's the, the take you got to take calvin i don't know if now's the time brother yeah yeah, I mean, there might be just a minute of, like, uh, to quote Herm, don't press send. Like, mm-hmm. just just walk away from this one, Calvin. Uh, Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, uh, obviously you guys can chime in 702-365-9200. But I wanted to go back to your conversation about process. Because process is only real if you can do it with the confidence to do it in some version of a vacuum. And what I mean by that is uh, when teams go awry, in my mind, it's when they start with the process and then something happens either inside the building or outside the building and suddenly they're making a change. You have to be committed to the way you're going to build this team. And that's an important message for everybody to hear today because I don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. If you're asking me, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers next year. I feel pretty confident about that. And I can tell you with confidence that Pro Football Talk, when they reported that there were four teams looking to acquire him, one of them was the Tennessee Titans. And I've got pretty good sources there that within minutes told me there was absolutely nothing to it. So, you know, all of this uh, Aaron Rodgers conversation, though, could lead to a path that sends Aaron to the Denver Broncos, to which I would say, I don't care. And I'm not sure you should care. I'm not sure anybody should care. Because at some point, if you're going to worry about your house, you got to worry about your house, not your neighbor, not the person down at the end of the cul-de-sac, not what somebody else is doing. Like, the best way to get your life fixed 
is to fix your life and your life only. And that's where the Raiders, in my mind, need to be right now. You can uh, obviously build your team in the draft and free agency knowing that you're going to be taking on Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, knowing that you need particular sets of skills to be able to minimize what they do well. And that's smart football. But if suddenly Aaron Rodgers being traded to the Denver Broncos changes the way you do uh, business in general, then you weren't disciplined enough in your approach in the first place. Like the Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler have to have a very set approach on what they're trying to do and do it with intention no matter what happens in Denver. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good point, Fitz, where you have to have your process, you have to commit to your process, but you also have to do it with intention. Like you said, it doesn't matter if, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers comes in the division, if Patrick Mahomes leaves the division, like you have to be committed to what you know, to what you want to do and how you are going to get there. Because look, if the past year and a half, almost two years and change have taught us anything, things change at the drop of a hat. Things can change in a, in a big way, in a major way. But at the end of the day, if you're Dave Ziegler, if you're Josh McDaniels, if you're Champ Kelly, you know how you want to go about building this team. And there is nothing that can happen outside of this building, this beautiful building that I'm sitting in. There is nothing that can happen outside of this building that can change the way that you go about doing what you do. And, and you talk about taking care of your own house first, Fitz. When we sat down with, with, uh, with Champ Kelly in Indy, he told me, I, I asked him, I said, Champ, what about this situation made sense for you? Why did you want to come here? You had, a pretty good, you had a pretty good gig, man. Like, what brought you here? And he said, it was Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels as the men. And he goes, and he, he was very clear. He said, not the football men. He goes, I've spent time with them, with their families. I see how they interact with their lives, with their kids, how they handle things at home. And he goes, you can't be a good leader. You can't lead a, a coaching staff, an organization, whatever it is, if you're not a good leader at home. And so I think to hear Champ Kelly say that, like, hey, seeing those dudes away from this building was so paramount in me getting that, or excuse me, them getting me into this building, I think says a lot about that process, about what they're going to commit to organizationally and how they're going to go about building this roster in the right way. Well, and start thinking about what we want as fans. You know, again, I'll take my media hat off for a second and just let me be the guy that has a Raiders tattoo that wears too much Raiders gear that, uh, you know, gets mocked for it, right? Like, let's, let's just take a second, a second and think about what you want. You want to win on March 16th or do you want to win in September? Mm -hmm. And for years, because, and I've, I've made this joke flippantly, but I, I, there's some truth to it. I've made the joke flippantly for years that people like me that play a lot of Madden, and I am good at Madden. I will kick most of y'all's butts in Madden. I, I'm confident of that. People like me that are good at Madden are good at Madden because our team stinks. And so you just you obsess over the video game version of your team because sometimes it's the only way you're going to see them win a Super Bowl. Like, I don't know a lot of Patriots fans uh, through that whole era that were playing Madden during the week during football season because they wanted to watch every ounce of the coverage of their favorite football team. It gets painful to watch it when your team's not good, right? So there's this moment of you got to win in free agency because it's what gives you hope going into the draft. And then you got to win in the draft because that's what gives you hope going into the season realistically, the hope actually comes from winning. And when you start thinking about that, it takes much more patience. Like the old adage of slow and low is how you cook barbecue. That's for a reason. And, and, and great football teams are, are built that way. We just have be become, as a culture of fans, very impatient to what we want because we've seen a lot of years 
of losing and a lot of years that were difficult. And now we've had a taste of the apple with a 10-win season that was awesome to watch. And everybody wants that big name and that big momentum. And I don't think that's – we have no proof right now that that's the way this regime is going to build everything. Right now, if you're asking me based solely on the body of work in New England, I'm expecting quiet free agency. And I'm expecting a very methodical draft. And I'm expecting – Everybody to step back and say, okay, I see what they're doing, and they're going to get the best out of a bunch of players that we don't know as much about. Like, that feels real to me, and that needs to be the approach, whether Denver goes out and acquires 15 players or not. It's, it's, I know it's the old cliche, and I know it's become kind of a joke in, in NFL media circles, Fits, but it's, it's trust the process, right? It is trust the process. It is understand that, hey, just because we're not making headlines those, you know, on March 16th or March 17th, that's not a bad thing. It is not a bad thing if you are not dominating the NFL news cycle that first week of free agency. And if it's real quick, though, and I think we got some type of breaking news. Uh, I'm not sure if this is breaking, but it's breaking to me. Uh, our man Derek Carr, number four, he says, Tonight, I will be presenting on this year's ACM Awards. The show starts at 8 p.m. and make sure to, to tune in on Prime Video. How about that, DC? Taking, uh, taking care of the people, going to, going to the, 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 uh, the award show there. So now you're telling me that I lost my chance to become besties with DC by not being at the ACMs. Like, yep. Swing that's what miss. just happened there. Swing and a miss out of you. All right. So can I tell you an ACM story? Uh, Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know uh, my, my past, I, I toured most notably uh, with the band Perry. Uh, if you're a big country music fan, you probably know their music. And if you don't, you might not. But we, had a, we were lucky enough to have uh, a bunch of hits in country, um, most notably If I Die Young. Right? So... Uh, I, I have two great ACM stories for me. First was um, uh, with the band Perry. We opened up the ACMs a few years ago, and we were playing a, a song called Done uh, at the beginning. And so it was the whole award show was opening with this one. So we go out to the edge of the stage, and we play like I have this fiddle solo. I got to play it while I'm jumping up and down because we all got into a line, and we jumped up and down and did it. Like it was a whole choreographed thing. We worked with like Beyonce's choreographer for oh, a month what a practicing flex. this thing. And once we did it in the award show – Oh yeah, no, it was a flex. that's a flex. Yeah, once we did it that way in the award show, we did it that way every night live for the rest of my time traveling with the band. But what was amazing about it is we thought it'd be an awesome idea to dump this massive amount of confetti down as we were finishing the song because it was such a big grand opening moment. It looked so cool. But what we didn't think about was the fact that like everybody sitting in the first three four rows had spent so much time and money on hair and makeup, and we put confetti all over it. So, like, the minute the song stopped, all you saw was, like, Carrie Underwood's hair was flat because there was confetti all over it. Like, Eric Church had confetti in his boots and, like, all of this. And it, it was, like, the great, oh, my gosh, I probably should have thought that one out moment as the ACMs, uh, there, there was confetti all over the place, and it uh, it turned out to, to be very frustrating for some people. But you can't care about that, Fitz. You're a showman. It's it's just collateral oh. damage, right? <laughs> Look, your your job oh, in that probably, moment was true. to put on the best show that you could. And in this instance, Beyonce's choreographer said, yo, we need to have some confetti. And when Beyonce's person tells you that, you got to listen, right? I'm not crazy there. Yeah, no. I'm not going to tell them no. Like, they, they were... Uh, they were they were impactful. So the other the other favorite moment for me was actually not with the band Perry. It was with Tim McGraw. And so uh, there was this song that Tim McGraw put out years ago. And Eddie, you know, Tim McGraw, look him up. He he had a good career. I, I always love teasing Eddie because I know he's not a big country music fan. But uh, I, I uh, remember the song was called If You're Reading This. And nobody had ever heard the song before. It was brand new. And we we were in rehearsals. It was just Tim and his guitar player 
and a string quartet. And I was the first violinist in that string quartet. And so it was just the six of us. And we spent a month in rehearsals because Tim kept rewriting the song and deciding he wanted this to be different and this to be different. And he had ever heard it before. And, you know, this was uh, years ago. And it was the, the premise of it was like, if you're reading this, I didn't make it home, essentially. So oh, it was a very heartfelt a serious moment. And so every time we got, when we got to Vegas, every time we rehearsed it, they emptied the entire MGM arena because they didn't want anyone other than the TV partners to see it. They wanted to keep it absolute top secret. And at the, as the song ended uh, behind us was, were families uh, that had lost uh, uh, different people that had served uh, in the armed forces. So it was a, this incredible, touching, heartfelt, amazing moment. So it was my first time playing the ACMs, and I was so stoked to play the ACMs that I'm sitting in my chair and I pull out my phone because I'm like, I'm going to take a video of all this. And I'm sitting behind a curtain during the TV break, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the video as the curtain comes up. Nobody will notice it. My idiot self, right? I got this phone up, and I've got it there. And as I'm trying to put it away, the phone away, because I realize I'm not going to have time to get the video I want, I hit the microphone and knock it my violin the way it was clipped to my violin and so and i had to play the first note so the whole time i'm like i am going to blow this live performance i had to like <laughs> bend down get the thing reclipped it was chaos and i was actually shaking as the performance started because i was so worried that i had missed the beginning of it but i made it by the skin of my teeth and Eddie, they ended up taking that version of it that we played live in the award show. They released it to radio, and it became a big old number one for McGraw. That, that version of it became like the live version is on his greatest hits album. So that was my uh, that was my first ACMs, and I learned after that never to bring my phone on stage during an award show. Two things, real quick. One, I have some country music knowledge. I have a little bit. I knew who the Bam Perry was. <laughs> I told I told you. I was like, oh man, I listened to Bam Perry in college. I'm, I'm familiar with your work. I like to think I have a well-rounded musical repertoire, if you will. Like, I, I can dabble in that world a little bit. Uh, but my second thing, my second question to you, sir, is you talk about goes number one with the live version. So since you were on the live version, do you get anything out of that? I'm not talking about financial things at all. I'm just saying, like, do you get, like, a, the, the thing on the wall? Yep, give me, a, give me a point, Fitz. Give me a point. Yeah, so you guys can't see it, but Eddie and I are on FaceTime because I'm in Connecticut, obviously, uh, with ESPN, and he's in Vegas. But behind me, uh, the stu- like we had to build home studios, essentially, for ESPN during uh, COVID times, uh, obviously, so we could do broadcasts from home, and everybody else did a bookshelf. I took uh, the, the subtle flex, since I don't read books, of, of putting my golden platinum accomplishments behind me on the wall. So, yeah, Tim McGraw sits behind me uh, uh, above my shoulder uh, as the reminder of that first moment. And uh, I've got a poster from that ACM Awards that I've got framed in my studio, too. So, like, yeah, the li- li- little moments there uh, that came in for it. But the McGraw one sits there. It was funny, too, because years later, uh, when I was touring with the Man Perry, my first tour with the Man Perry was Luke Bryan tim mcgraw it was us luke and tim and if i die young had just come out so it was fun to go full circle to go my first acms were with mcgraw and my first real tour with the band perry was with him also so uh there you go like it ran full circle with uh with the tim stories luke bryan a good dude i respect luke bryan because this man is so committed to spring break fits he has made a career out of living (laughs) at spring break it's gonna i don't care if it's the middle of december my man luke bryan's putting another spring break album that's all he does the man is perpetually on spring break, and I respect it, dude. You can't hate that game. You simply cannot. I mean, Kenny Chesney's continuing yeah, the great doing Ken Chesney. Uh, beach tunes, you know? No, uh, the, look, uh, Luke's great. Uh, he just, uh, 
I don't think the jeans can get any tighter. Did you know <laughs> that jeans can actually be tailored? Like, I didn't know that until I started touring with those guys. That like you can actually take because I like you know me. I'm cheap, Eddie. Like I'm looking yeah. someplace online for my you know twelve dollar jeans that I can I can tell people were expensive. And like I started touring, and I was like, my, I asked somebody one day. I was like. McGraw, who, by the way, runs around the entire the entire day. He's running in like tiny shorts and no shirt because he can. When you look sure. that good, that's what you do. And like then they get dressed for the show. And between the two of them, there's not a complete inch of wasted fabric between the two of those men together. And I finally asked somebody, I'm like, how are we doing this? Like, what what how is it possible that you can find jeans that tight? And it turns out that you go to somebody and they uh they 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 do a little bit of like uh, nip and tuck and like sewing up and then bam the jeans more, are super tight they're, they're is, Eddie, Eddie Pascal skinny jeans what is more painted on right now would you say it's a, a pair of Tim McGraw jeans or a guy DeMond's polo shirt back in the studio in, uh, at Lotus okay that's uncalled for I, I didn't I, I didn't mean, expect to catch a stray here <laughs> look uh, well look uh, no 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 DeMond let's be real when you are as yoked as you are like DeMond DeMond is as yoked as like a perfect healthy breakfast, like it's a bunch of eggs, like that. That's just it's yolk after yolk after yolk. And when you look that good, you you barely wear. Like if I were you, Demond, I'd be wearing a tank top to work. Like it'd be a Raiders tank top, and I'd be telling everybody, you know what, I'm jacked. But then again, you know, you should remember you work around a football team, so there are. There are yeah, I get stairs in the radio no station fact. if I just come in here with just a tank top on. Is Q would Q allow that? Would our man Q <laughs> shout out shout out to Q who is uh, who is doing an incredible job with our pals at nine twenty? But hey, Demond, would Q say something to you? Oh yeah, you that'd be the it? first five minutes of our show. I come in here like if I come in here just like fresh out of the gym, you know, because he's my biggest hater because he wishes he looks this good. <laughs> oh, oh man, that it. that got real very quickly. We got that spicy. Got, uh, if if you and. If you and Q had to thumb wrestle, who's winning? That's a real that's I'm winning a real any wrestling. See, this is the thing. Q's so competitive. We'll do the show, and he's like, basketball, I'll, I'll take you out on a race right now. And it's just like, my guy, take it easy. But, you know, if it had to do any lifting, any physical competition, I'm taking him down. And I mean it. Look, <laughs> uh, there, there's one thing I can tell you for certain. Knowing DeMond, knowing Q, knowing Eddie Pascal, there's one thing I'm certain of. If the two of them were to get into a wild wrestling match, the only thing Eddie and I would be qualified to do would be to sit in the back, have one too many drinks, and commentate yeah. on the entire oh, thing. Like there's yeah. no 100%. 100%. No, 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 no. Look, Fitz, you, know, you talk about this, right? You talk about building players, right? You're not building players, but building a roster. You need to know the strengths of your guys. And you and I, we can look in the mirror and say, we know what we're good at. We know what we're not good at. I'm not going to run a 4 40 I'm not going to put up 27 benches on the rep, like, or 20, 22 rep benches like my guy Kayvon Thibodeau. But you and I are certainly qualified to sit in the cheap seats, drink some brewskis, and, and watch Demon and Q do their thing. Yeah, you are, you are not wrong about that. And by the way, since we're talking about the ACMs through this portion, uh, portion of it, uh, I will tell you that one of my buddies, uh, Justin Shipper, who is a fantastic, like if you listen to country music at all, and you've heard anything with the steel guitar or slide guitar on it, Justin Shipper is uh, is the guy that plays it. Like, he is the guy, and he's in the house band for the ACMs, and he just, while we're on air, sent me a picture of the Las Vegas Raiders uh, water bottles that uh, that they're getting to consume out of. And, you know, it's only making me jealous. I, I, I'm suddenly thinking, rethinking everything. Next year, it, it's, you know, Fitz and Eddie live from the ACMs. We do our own thing, and we just see where it goes. Fitz, you messed up. You messed up. You should have been here. 
we talk about the intersections of your world. That, well, that's, and this this is like dead in the middle, right? Like if you're building out the little chart, you know, the the pie graph or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not a big math guy, but you're building out that chart. I mean, ACMs in yeah. Vegas at Allegiant is kind of like the perfect storm for you, isn't it? Uh, oh, it is. Uh, by the way, I think you were looking for a Venn diagram. I don't know. Yes, I think thank that's you. what you were looking is. for. There it is. Thank you. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. That's how you hang out with Eddie and I. I promise we'll get back to Raiders conversation. I will tell you when we come back, I will tell you the one place I know you can go tonight to see every country star. I'll, I'll give away a secret from the industry tonight. Uh, we'll do that when we come back. Plus, uh, through all of the conversation, Eddie was just in Indianapolis. The two of us are going to figure out who the Raiders should draft with their first-round pick. We'll do all of that next. It's Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, filling in for JT the Brick on the JT the Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to the JT the Brick Show. Filling in for JT is Jason Fitz and Eddie Pascal. I don't think I can get on a plane and get out to Vegas fast enough to, to to get out there for tonight, but everybody else should be checking out the ACM Awards. Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, we're sitting in for JT, the Brick on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, we'll get to who the Raiders should draft, and I, I, I got a couple of, of thoughts on this in a second. But, Eddie, I will tell you, uh, I don't know how much time you've spent at the MGM, uh, you know, at the Grand, uh, but if you walk into the lobby of the MGM, like the main check-in lobby, and there's the big lion there in the big, like, area that everybody checks in, Right. If you walk just past that area, there's a little bar right there that's like a semicircle. What a lot of people don't realize, we, we call it in, in Nashville, we always call it the circle bar. That's where everybody goes after the ACMs to sit and have a drink. And that's where everybody has likely been for the last three or four nights hanging out. So there was one that because these are live on the West Coast, but then shown tape delay, uh, it was on, we happened to be in the bar when it was on TV, right? Uh, in the East Coast, shown tape delay on the West Coast, I should say. So we had already played, right? And I'm sitting in the bar and it's on TV. And I'm like, oh, there we go. Uh, we're on TV. And my fiddle solo was happening as I was sitting in the bar having a drink. And I, uh, I was very drunk. So I stood up and I screamed, I'm famous in the middle of the bar. And it was Blake Shelton that looked at me and he's like, no, you're not. Sit down. So that's the place to go to hang out uh, and have a good time. Uh, always a always a good time at the MGM. They, they, they uh, always did us right. So if anybody's looking to spy celebrities, that's where you'll find the, the big wigs uh, having a drink tonight. So, Eddie, behave yourself if you make your way to the MGM. Oh, I will. I will, Fitz. And like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a weeknight tonight, man. It's a school night. I'm going to be in bed by 830, brother. I promise you that. But, hey, isn't it, isn't it a weird experience seeing yourself on television like especially when you're not expecting it when you're like oh my god is that that's me it's it's a very it's hard to explain and and it's just it's it's unnerving I think when you surprise yourself like that yeah and I always think the same thing my god I look like an idiot like there's never (laughs) there's never been a time that I was like oh man I look good. Like, I'm always looking at it, and I'm like, golly, who picked that out? Like, that looks – I look terrible today. That's just <laughs> – that's, that's a standard. For, even now with ESPN, I'll be walking through, you know, after we do something like College Football Live. If I'm, if I'm out and about and they're replaying it, I look over, and I'm like, really? I picked that tie today? Like, I thought that looked good? Like, it, it's on me. I got no one but myself to blame. Dude, it's tough when you got to wear it like that, right? It's, it's tough when you're like, ah, I have no one to blame. It's like, it's like going through old photos. Right. And, you know, for someone like me who was in, in college in, you know, 2009, 2010, gosh, a decade, over a decade ago now. But you look at some of the fits that you pulled off and you're like, you were wow. so proud of yourself. Like Friday night, me and my boys are hitting the town and we look good. 
And then you look back and you're like, what was, <laughs> what was I doing? Someone, I mean, someone allowed me. I mean, that person in this case would be yourself. But like, what was I thinking? What was the rationale? Like, I wish someone could, could have explained, like, Eddie, sit down and just let's talk through the outfit here. Let's just talk through it. And then by the end of this conversation, if you still feel good about this, bud, you can go out. But, oh, dude, so bad. So bad. I, I will never forget we played – we were over in Rio for the Olympics, and we played the Today Show. Such a humble brag story. But we were on That's the beach, and the, the band had picked – like, the, the main uh, – the singer had picked what everybody was wearing. And I was so proud to be at the Olympics and playing this big show for Team USA and then playing the Today Show. And it was such a cool moment. And then I saw what I was going to be wearing, and I was like, I look like an Ewok. Like, I, I, <laughs> I had to stand on TV – and, like, dude, at the time, I was, like, I'm a small guy for anybody that's never seen anything. Like, I'm, I'm a relatively small guy. But at that point, I was tiny. I'm talking, like, uh, like size 28 waist. Like, I was in shape. Like, the best shape of my life. And I still look, and I'm like, I look fat. I look like a fat Ewok on the Today Show playing a song. Like, this, that's what, that was my... That was my that's why I drink. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT the Brick. JT not giving you any fat Ewok stories. I no. can guarantee you that much. Good Lord. 702-365-9200. If you've got your own fat Ewok story, this is a safe space. Come share with us. Uh, in the meantime, 22 in the draft. And Eddie, you were in Indy. And I think this is important. Uh, I, I Indy is about so many things. But one of the things that you really have the opportunity to do at the scouting combine is get a sense of who's looking at who, who's talking to who, organizations that seem to be uh, looking to move and, and organizations that seem to be keeping all avenues open. And I, I, I can't help but look at the Raiders sitting at 22 and saying, okay, there are three, three clear paths. One is trade up for somebody you're in love with. One is trade down because this is a very, very deep draft. And one is stay where you are. And I, for me, Eddie, it, it's very simple. After watching the combine that we saw, if you're not getting a Jordan Davis type uh, uh, you're not getting a a star on the defensive side of the ball. I'm trading down, man. Like there are so many wide receivers, there are so many edge rushers, there are so many offensive linemen that are basically your flavor of ice cream between 25 and 10 in the second round. I, I just I would be surprised to see the Raiders trade up. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Raiders trade down if somebody else is in love with somebody. I I'm glad you bring that up, Fitz. I. 99 times out of 100, because there's going to be that one in a million chance where this makes sense to do for your organization. I am the firmest believer in never trading up in the draft. Never. Unless, like I said, it is that once-in-a-generation guy where you're like, hey, this is going to take us from a 10-win team to a Super Bowl team, and we have to go from 22 to 13. But I love, and I know, and I have to give the disclaimer here before I dive in, I don't know what Dave and, Dave and Josh are going to do. I know that people assume a lot of times because I work for the team that I have some sort of inside intel and, and that McDaniels and I are sitting down once a week and I know the inner workings of his mind. Disclaimer, I have no idea what they're going to do. But for me, for Eddie, I am the biggest fan of trading back, especially at 22. Because let's be honest, Fitz, when you look at the draft, the totality of the draft, the three-day extravaganza that the league has turned this thing into, essentially what you're doing is you're taking shots. You're putting shots up, and you're hoping that a couple of them go into the hoop. Now, if you're a 22, and you're under the impression that, hey, the guy that we love, you know, whether it's, it's a Jordan Davis, whoever it may be, he's not going to be there at 22. What's the harm in giving us a few more attempts at that basketball hoop, right? 
So if I were the Raiders and your guy that you covet isn't going to be there, trade back. There's nothing wrong with acquiring assets in the draft. You look, and there have been a lot of teams in the NFL and the NBA, whatever it may be, that those assets at times are more valuable than the players themselves. So if you're sitting there at 22 and your guy is not going to be there, trade back, relax, acquire assets, because you never know, Fitz, in 2023, maybe that is the one in a million chance where the Raiders have to go from 22 to 9, from 11 to 2. And now all of a sudden you have the capital to make that move. So I am with you 100%. I know it does not get the fan base excited. I know it is not the sexiest, most compelling thing to do, especially on a Thursday night in prime time. But just because you're not making those headlines on that Thursday night does not mean that you are not doing what's right for your organization. And we talk about learning Josh and Dave and how much we're going to discover about them over the couple these next couple months. And I think we're going to learn a lot about them on that Thursday night at the end of April. Sometimes I think of the draft a little bit like uh, getting a paycheck. And, you know, when you get your paycheck, it's a lot more fun to go to, you know, Best Buy and buy a bunch of Sono speakers you don't need than it is to put a bunch of money in savings. And even sometimes you look at it and say, hey, I love this so much and it's such a deal. I'll go into a little bit of debt to do it, right? Like we've all been there before in yeah. life. And I look at some of this like this is the same thing. What the Patriots do every year is they basically say, eh. I don't know. Value says that I can replace these guys next year, so I'm going to trade out and we'll have more equity next year. You keep looking at it that way, all they're doing is constantly putting money in savings. They're constantly dialing back and saying, hey, we can use that when we need it. And, you know, I, I look at the wide receiver position very specifically for a second because Chris Olave, I mentioned earlier, I love Chris Olave. I love everything about his game. I don't think Chris Olave is going to be there at 22. If he is there at 22 and the Raiders want to make a decision about a wide receiver that's very good, I understand it. But also, Garrett Wilson is a beast. And also, Jahan Dotson, is, he's knocked because of his size. And I'm telling you, like I think he has go-go gadget legs because the number of times I saw him get up over defenders that were taller than he was and high point the football was absolutely astonishing. You know, Drake London is somebody that, depending on how his medical clears out, you know, we have no idea where he's going to go. David Bell had a bad combine, the wide receiver out of Purdue. But you're also talking about somebody that I watched week in and week out. At one point, we actually did David Bell weekly cuts. He was putting up so many highlights. And we haven't even gotten to George Pickens, who might be one of the best wide receivers in this class and could be available in the third round. That's why, to that point, unless you are absolutely infatuated, you don't put a ring on it. You don't ask her to marry you unless you are a thousand percent certain that this is the girl that you have to spend the rest of your life with. And if you're not certain, then you might as well keep waiting. And that's how I'm looking at the draft this year, because certainly the other way as a franchise, we've tried it the other way time after time after time. We've tried the we want them from big uh, schools and we want people that come from programs with the culture of winning. We've tried. We want big names. We've tried. We want position of need. So at this point, for all that we've seen in the draft, that has been so hit and miss. All you can admit is that right now, if if you have a need in a position of depth in the draft, the best thing you could do is hold your cards close to your chest and then be patient. Patience is not a bad thing, Fitz. And I know I keep bringing up the conversation that I had with Josh McDaniels when we were in Indy last week, but one of the things that he told me straight out of the gate, and feel free, shameless plugler, to head on over to Raiders.com to check out our exclusive chat with the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh McDaniels. But one of the things he told me straight out of the gate was it was so important for him, it was so important to Dave to come in here 
and be patient in building a staff. And patience is going to be one of the guiding principles of what they want to do in this building. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we were talking a second ago, Fitz, about how, you know, oh, trading back and, and acquiring assets and this and that isn't a sexy move. It's not a move that is going to get the fan base fired up. Like, you're not going to see, and the Raiders at 22 trade. Yes, yes, you're not going to get those reactions. And that's okay because there's nothing wrong with being patient. And to the point that we've been talking about all afternoon, trusting your process and owning your process and understanding that if the board speaks to us in this way, this is how we're going to react. You don't need to be making those headlines. And, and we talk about guys that are going to be the, the depth of this wide receiver class. And the big thing for me fits, and it doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter if you're six foot four or five foot seven, if you run a four nine or a four two. Did you produce? Did you put up numbers in your situation? And then to me, if you do that, I don't care if you're at Central, you know, Central Oregon, Arkansas State, I don't care what it is. If you can do that there, I like to bring guys in that did that and bring them into this program because you can teach a lot of things, right? And Josh McDaniels is telling us, he goes, no one coming out of the draft is a finished product. Doesn't matter if you go number one or you're Mr. Irrelevant. No one here is a finished product. These guys are going to get better, and it's on our job as a coaching staff to build them up. So I know that it's not sexy. I know that it doesn't get people all fired up. But being patient and sticking to your process, especially in year one like this, is never a bad thing. Well, and the process that you're talking about is one that I think we need to understand. You know, the, the, one of the big reports that is out there right now is that the Raiders are looking to get Max Crosby's uh, deal done. And I think Raiders fans look at that and say, well, of course, that's also part of what the bigger process is here. Because, you know, you've been around the organization enough over the last month and seen this regime uh, enough to know that one of their main, not one of, I, I would say their main response initially coming in the door is self-scouting, right? You got to look at everybody mm -hmm. on tape and see who you have and see what you have. And once you've figured out what you have and who you have, now you have to figure out what the number is that you're comfortable with each of those players. And I've got to believe, I certainly don't know, and, and even if you did know, by the way, Eddie wouldn't be able to tell us, but I've got to believe that in my mind there's a big eraser board somewhere that says, okay, here are the guys that we're making foundational pieces, right? And those pieces are going to get rewarded. And so we can look across the board at some of the names that we all expect that will be and look at it and say what makes sense for the organization is to be calculated in these one at a time. You check them off. It's like a to-do list, okay? We get Max done. I would think that at some point I don't have any working knowledge. I would think that getting Hunter Renfro done is going to be a priority. I would think that constantly analyzing the contract of Darren Waller is going to be a priority, and we all know the quarterback contract situation is going to be a priority. So as you look up and down that list – for the organization, they're going to tell us over the course of the next month and a half, by the time we get to the draft in Vegas, we're going to know how they feel about most of the foundational pieces here because something will be addressed with them. In my mind, this all makes sense to the procedure that they're going through that the draft will be one part of. Yeah, and David Ziegler was saying last week, he said that, you know, so much of the first, you know, I guess we're five weeks, six weeks into this now. He goes, so much of this first stretch of time has been obviously getting an idea of what's in that locker room. Who are the players here? Who are the players under contract? Who do we have to worry about making sure that they're a Raider for a very long time? But the other part of it, and he brought this up, and I thought this was really interesting, and Josh McDaniels echoed it. He goes, is understanding the way that the calendar works. Because the NFL has done, has done such a fantastic job of really ensuring that there is no offseason. Here we are, Fitz, talking on March 7th, 
the middle of, well, the end of winter, I guess, technically. But we are a week out from the start of free agency. It feels like the Super Bowl just ended, and we're already gearing up for the start of league year 2022. But he said because of that, there are so many deadlines. There are so many things that have to be accomplished that for him and, and the new staff here, it's been really imperative that they understand, is this an issue that we have to figure out today, or is this an issue that we can really discuss at length in two weeks? We have to understand that there is so much going on in terms of building a staff, getting an idea of who's in the building, understanding the upcoming free agent market, what's going on with the draft, who's eligible for an extension. There's a lot going on and being able to compartmentalize and say, hey, this is our, our goal for this is a week from today. Our goal for this second issue is three weeks from today. And understanding that balance and understanding that delicate marriage of the million spinning plates, I, I think, was really refreshing to hear from Dave because I think a lot of us assume, like, oh, yeah, they're, they're doing X, Y, and Z, and there's a million different things on the board. And, yes, there are a million different things on the board, but the way that the calendar works, understanding that, hey, I know this is coming down the road six weeks from now. We can give ourselves a few weeks before we really dive into this issue. It should also be said that how you prioritize those things doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that you're anti anybody along the process like that. I know that's tough for people to hear because we automatically think, oh, well, if they're doing this contract before that contract, that must mean this. That's just not I, I have never talked to anybody in a front office that views it that way. And that's an important message for everybody to remember, because realistically, this is a conversation about patience. And what does that mean specifically at one position everybody's focused on? We'll answer it next. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're hanging out for JT on JT the Brick, uh, the JT the Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to the JT the Brick Show. Filling in for JT is Jason Fitz and Eddie Pascal. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. It's the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. Fear not. We'll be back with you tomorrow, too. So I I say fear not, unless you have not particularly enjoyed us, in which case we won't be back tomorrow. You should just listen. And if it happens to be us, oops, my bad. Surprise. Uh, You guys can hang out with us. (laughs) 702-365-9200. So we were talking about patience. And this becomes one of the more interesting points. And I know, look, at this point, we all know that all anybody has to do with a Raiders fan audience is say the words Derek Carr, and then you can just put your feet up and everybody's going to call in and take the show over. I'm not looking to do that here, Eddie. I will say this. I am curious to see what patience means for all of the way that the Raiders build this year, including the quarterback position in this sense. If... The Raiders as an organization believe that they need to start to have another plan. Then the question becomes, is it this year or next year? Because next year's draft class is at the quarterback position, particularly is stacked. And to your point, can you pick up more draft equity? There are a lot of draft nerds that I'll talk to that'll say, hey, the time to do that is next year. But I also look at the quarterback position this year and say, hey, there are guys that if you gave them a couple of years to develop, Matt Corral, for example, maybe they could turn out to be pretty good players. So maybe it's not the worst to do something like that. But here's the one thing that changes everything in my mind. To your point, a first-round draft pick still has a lot of value to it for this team today. And if you have the chance to go out and get yourself somebody that can make an impact day one, I think with this team, that's what makes sense. Now, that's also because I look at the quarterback position a little differently than some fans do. But if you're the Raiders, we're going to have a real statement knowing long before then 
based on whatever happens with Derek Carr, whatever the reports might be of an extension, and then whatever that extension looks like will actually give us a great idea, I think, by the time we hit the draft to what the Raiders' plan is, specifically when it comes to drafting a quarterback. Yeah, and look, you brought the perfect word again, patience. And I know we've talked about a lot today. We've talked about patience, whether it's patience with the coaching staff, patience with understanding the lay of the land here in the building, whatever it may be. But you look at, and to your point, Fitz, where you look at what do you do at 22, right? Do you go out and you get a guy that you feel can contribute day one to already build onto a, what we think is a, is a pretty good nucleus of football players here in this building already? You got on the defensive side, you got Max Crosby, you got Unique Ngakwe. Uh, offensively, we're looking at, at Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfrew. You got some guys out there. The cupboard is certainly not bare. So I think we're going to learn philosophically what this coaching staff and what this front office is important to them over the next couple of months based on how they handle free agency, based on handle how they handle the business of guys currently on this roster, and ultimately based on what they do at 22, or I should say in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. So it's a unique space, and, and I know we talked about this uh, in the first hour, Fitz, but we look at the combine as the ultimate information gathering session for the league in so many ways. And for us as fans, as people that cover this team and everything in between, we are going to, the next couple months for us are going to be information gathering uh, months looking at Josh and Dave and how they want to go about their business. So there is no shortage of intrigue. There are no shortage of questions that we have, good, bad, and, and somewhere in between. And I'll tell you what, Fitz, we are going to get a lot, a lot of answers in the next five, six weeks as we, as we officially kick off the 2022 NFL season. Look, and there's nothing wrong with when a new management company steps in and takes over a restaurant, Like You know that there's going to be some staples from the restaurant that they keep, and you know that there's going to be some things that they change, and you know that day one, when they come in, they're likely to keep a few things that could change over time, and you accept all of that as the opportunity to learn how new management is going to be handling things. I, I just feel like that's where we are with this team, and the unfortunate thing is that for all of us as fans, if you're, if you're a Raiders fan, you come into this entire process with years of baggage in what you think about the way things have happened in the past. But rightfully so, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler had none of that. They come in completely fresh. No different than when Joe Burrow was asked about the Bengals never uh, winning. They're, they're essentially, their answer was, I don't care. Like, I don't care about the playoff drought. I wasn't here then. So if you're coming into this Raiders organization, while you may love the past, and it might be part of why you were attracted to take the job from somebody in the front office or a coaching position, you've also got to look at it and say, I really don't care what happened in the past. I care about today. This is what I've taken over, and this is how I'm going to make it better. And if we can't give the coaching staff and the front office benefit of the doubt today, we're all screwed. Like Because they've done nothing at this point but deserve that benefit of the doubt because there's not been a chance to do anything wrong. I mean, you just you shot 100 out of 100 there, Fitz, where I think you look at this new regime that has now been here in Las Vegas and just for just a little bit over a month, and we talk about the information gathering, but we're really not going to have an idea of who they want to be organizationally. I mean, shoot, realistically, probably about a year, right? I mean, you got to give them a full cycle. And so for us, and, and I, know it's, I know it's crazy, and I know it's the hardest thing to ask of a fan, but you just got to relax. You just kind of got to go for the ride for these next 12 months. You got to got to see what what's important to these guys. What do they how do they want to go about building a team? Are we going to be aggressive in free agency? I mean cuz you and I can sit here and we'll do it tomorrow and it'll be a lot of fun and we'll guess and we'll try to play games and figure out, "Oh, if you were Dave, if you were Josh, what are you going to do?" But the reality is we don't know. 
We don't have a track record to look off of. So for the next 12 months, as we go through this first everything for them, when we go through this first free agency period, when we go through this first draft, when we go through this first training camp, preseason, regular season, we're just doing it. We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants a little bit in learning what is important to this group. So as wild as it sounds, and I know this is, it's not going to happen like this, give it a year before we react, right? You and I will have our takes over the next 12 months, undoubtedly, but give it a year. We'll see how we shake out after a year. And a year from now, we are going to have such a better picture of the version of the Raiders that is important to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels than we do today. Yeah, you're a thousand percent right. And I also get it from everybody's standpoint. I get why that's not the message you always want to hear. Like I get why uh, at times you can listen to that and say, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that, you know, but I'm also looking at it squarely saying, what other choice do we have? Like nothing we see today. Uh, Like if if the Raiders choose to pick up a contract or not pick up a contract, resign someone or not resign someone, all that, all we can do right now is take that as one individual piece of evidence. Right. And of course, all eyes are going to be on the quarterback position because that's the way the NFL works, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, that's the way the NFL works for everybody. So every single franchise, whether you're a Titans fan or whether you're a Packers fan or whether you're a Bengals fan, you're constantly talking about it's either are we getting enough value out of our quarterback? Do we need to do something with our quarterback? Can our quarterback take us to the next level? Like this is the conversation for all but two or three teams in the NFL every single year. But when you look at the organization and the roster as a whole, I think the biggest takeaway is going to be that every decision right now is individual. It's going to take a second before we can stack them like Voltron to figure out what the actual picture of robots looks like. Yeah, and the one thing, the uh, the analogy or metaphor, I don't remember which one, but whatever the proper term for that is fits. But but Dave Ziegler was telling me a, a lot during the week in Indy where it goes, it's it's filling the puzzle out. So you get your you know pieces for not only the, the puzzle pieces for a prospect and putting together a full picture of who he is, but putting together the puzzle for your team, for your roster, for your organization. And to your point, that doesn't happen overnight. That is not you're not putting together a two thousand piece puzzle in twenty four hours unless you're some kind of madman. So the reality is there is so much to do on this list for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. There are so many line items to get through that it's going to take a while to, one, get through those items, but two, then to carefully and accurately judge the results of those items as we go through into the start of the league year. I always love making this comparison in general for people when it comes to the college football playoff committee, but I'll use it for the Raiders right now. If you got 20 of your friends in the room at once and you say, guys, let's have pizza, where are we going? Think about the raging argument you get from 20 of your friends about where to get, what kind of pizza to get, what kind of toppings you want. All of these things become raging arguments specifically about pizza. Now turn around and do that instead about an offensive lineman or do that instead about a wide receiver and do it with a bunch of coaches that all think that they're the smartest person in the room because of their life experience. Now put all that together and tell me how you make that an easy decision, Eddie. It's impossible. Truly impossible. I mean, the pizza thing is a great a great analogy, right? Or figuring out, oh, where are we going to go to dinner tonight? I mean, how many times have we had that debate? We're, oh, we're gonna, I want to do this, I want to do that. It is a, it's a big question, huge questions, and frank, candidly, they're questions that affect a lot of people. So due diligence and doing your homework, never a bad thing fits. Yeah, well, the one thing I know is that Q's going to tell everybody what they need to know about pizza. Unnecessary roughness coming up next. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. Thanks for letting us hang out for JT on the JT The Breck Show on Raider Nation Radio.